カハンニャハラミタシンギョウ Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zenkare.org. For those who don't cling to preferences. Easier said than done. Usually, our preferences rule the roost, conditioned feelings and opinions tend to determine how we behave in all our relationships, which means that in every interaction, We tend to follow the same old script. Rather than taking the chance, the opportunity to interact with the moment actually as it is, we interact with the fixed ideas that live in our heads. How small. Not knowing is the dropping of all this. Instead, we completely enter the moment in front of us. In Zen, we call this beginner's mind. I was speaking with someone today who is a student who lives in. The West Coast. <coughs> And she was asking about, well, what, how do you practice beginner's mind? And I said, well, all you have to do is stop doing evil. And to realize that we all are creating evil, the moment that we think that I'm not you. When I'm staying in my fixed ideas about who I am, even in this moment, like whether I like this camera or not, it doesn't actually matter. So, the evil from a Zen perspective is just that moment when I'm going back into my fixed ideas about who I am and who you are. The beginning of evil. Suddenly, it feels in those moments for me that you don't matter as much as my ideas matter. So, to me, the part of the reflection of the day was to 
How do our thoughts, words, and actions reflect our gratitude for our lineage? So whether you're a Zen person or not, how do your thoughts, words, and actions really reflect gratitude that you're actually here? To me, the moment I can actually be grateful then suddenly my thoughts, words, and actions for me almost have to be fresh and in this moment. I can't be dragging around. It's almost like we all carry these strings with cans (laughs) (laughs) clanging around like here. We're like ghosts of Christmas past. and how heartbreaking that is, because those clanging sounds tend to scare other people away. When often what we want most is actual real connection, real intimacy. But if I'm clanging around in my old way of being, how could I be with you? Softening our conditioning to preferences and opinions is a radical place of practice. What would that be like even for a moment to soften how tightly you cling to the way you like it or actually the way that you don't like yourself? how you're deficient or how you're so great. Usually we swing to one side or the other. We're so awesome or we're we're such a piece of crap. So unworthy or so worthy. What would it be like just to be like, ah, maybe neither is really true. Maybe what's most true is, wow, look at you. Soshin, which is the Japanese word for beginner's mind, refers to a willingness to just be open. an eagerness to be open. I was talking with another student earlier and he was asking about like, I've heard that some people while they're sitting zazen they sweat because they're like really engaged in their zazen. Like little beads of sweat on their brow, on their top of their lip. And to me, that's related to that beginner's mind, that eagerness to say, like, I'm going to just stay right here, and now right here, and now right here. So the whole time you're sitting, you're actually really showing up. Not drifting around like we normally do in our lives. To me, it's so exciting. How dynamic 
our lives actually can be. It's amazing, actually. And how often we just kind of trudge through. Anyone ever trudged through? Like since this morning? Last night we had this extraordinary group of Poets, two poets and two Dharma teachers reading these incredible poems by these women who lived and practiced at the time of the Buddha with such vigor, such liveliness. And one person was talking about how, well, they were, maybe they were enlightened. And Marie said, this is Marie Howe who was here, and she said, no, I don't think so. I think what they were experiencing is that they had a really amazing opening moment. And that's why they had to write these poems down. Because they knew that even those moments where we're open into that beginner's mind, when we're so fresh, those don't last either. So they wanted to write it down so that we could remember, oh yeah, those happen. And the reason why our life is precious and why those moments are precious is because they don't last. So from a Zen perspective, enlightening activity is the way. It's not like we're going to arrive at enlightenment and then we coast. (laughs) (laughs) That's just death. People often, you know, talk about like, oh, I just wish it was all like that. And I often say, you know, after working in hospitals, you really don't want (laughs) that will happen in its own time and you don't need to rush it. But it's amazing how we actually somehow long for that. But to me, it's also a way a beginner's mind is also to have a place of rest into the right in this moment. Someone once asked me if beginner's mind was an advanced practice or a beginning practice. The wonderful naturalist and environmentalist Rachel Carson said, a child's world is fresh and new and beautiful often, full of wonder and excitement. Maybe some people's childhood. It is our misfortune that for most of us, that clear-eyed vision, that true instinct for what is beautiful and awe-inspiring is dimmed and even lost as we reach adulthood. If I had influence from the good fairy who is supposed to preside over all children, 
I should ask her gift to each child in that world be a sense of wonder that is so indestructible that it would last a lifetime. To me, this, this quality of indestructibility is to me part of what we're cultivating in our practice. That we can come back to our breath, we can come back to the softness, no matter what. No matter what is happening. So that we can actually have wonder for my sorrow. Wonder for my, um, for my discomfort. Wonder for my agitation. To me, beginner's mind is not like it's in some magical land, or maybe it is, but it's the magical land of completely experiencing what you're experiencing. To me, that is the magical land. I think it's also important to understand that a lot of these things are taken out of context. So beginner's mind is really a translation of the fourth precept. But it's built on the first three, on the three refuges. That we must learn how to take refuge in traditionally called the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. <coughs> that when I'm willing to take refuge in being awake, instead of, to me, it's also critical that the way to take refuge is to not go along with my habitual thing, not going with my preferences, but to take refuge into what is actually here. Taking refuge in actually being full of wonder and receptive to what's here, the Dharma. And to take refuge in Sangha is to realize like, oh, I'm not alone. Even though I might sometimes feel like a ghost rattling around all alone, I'm not alone. Even though you might feel alone. To me, part of the beauty of the practice is to realize you can feel your feelings without identifying who you are by what you're feeling. Oh, I feel alone, so I am alone. I feel sad, so I am sad. I feel irritated, so I'm irritable. popular. <clears throat> so around 536 some years ago in the common era, the man who wrote this poem, Senkan, went to his teacher, Wakey, 
and this is their first encounter. And Senkan said to him, I'm riddled with sickness. I've got serious problems. Please absolve me of all my wrongdoings. Such a tender thing. Imagine making yourself that vulnerable. And this teacher says, bring me your wrongdoings and I will absolve you. Bring them all here. All your transgressions, all your regrets, bring them here. Senkan, after a long pause, and this is a very famous little area where some people say maybe for a couple of years. <laughs> some people say a week, and some people say a moment. We don't know how long the pause was. A decade. I feel like the pause is so important to appreciate. Because sometimes we come to practice and we make ourselves vulnerable and then we get scared or we get confused and we go away for a little bit. And then we come back. And sometimes that lasts decades and sometimes it's a moment. So like all of us. And then he says, when I looked for my wrongdoings, I just couldn't find them. And Wake, he said, exactly. I've absolved you of all your wrongdoings. <laughs> and now all you need to do is live in accord with the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. So beautiful. Because really, if we go deep into what we think is all of our problems, where are they really if we're actually here? How much of our rumination is actually fresh? What of our stories that we build up and up and up into towns and villages and cities in our minds are actually real? To me, that, this is what he's talking about, and this is the reason to practice. And to me, the beauty of beginner's mind and not clinging to preferences is a lifelong adventure. That there's no arrival my teacher, Chodo Nai's teacher, often says, we don't arrive to the flat line. We will get there when we're dead. So we can actually use while we're alive to actually be alive. Such a rare opportunity. 
So the poem from Senkan, you can imagine that he wrote this poem shortly after he couldn't find his wrongdoing. The great way is not difficult. In one translation it says, it only excludes clinging to preferences. This great way is not difficult. To me, that is the moment of ease. Our tightness is just a moment of tightness. They're like rocking it out seriously downstairs. <laughs> I bet those people on the camera can't hear it. <laughs> Just don't cling to preferences. <laughs> oh, it would be so much better if it was just quiet. My life would be better if I had more money or a different situation, different job, different problems. Many people wait till they won't have problems. I'm always curious like when that is. <laughs> In the very end of the poem, he says, the infinite universe always stands before your eyes. The infinite universe always stands right before your eyes. What are you waiting for? To experience that. In the very end of the poem, he says, No yesterday, no tomorrow, and no today. The universe is just stands right before your eyes in the full expanse. And it's just our clinging to those preferences. that cause the universe to collapse. A friend of mine recently was in the Amazon where there's very little lights. And he said, in the forest, looking up at the night sky, you could almost feel like the whole thing was breathing together. no difference, that you can sometimes see that. And to me, just here on 23rd Street, we can also experience that. That is always right here, the expanding, vibrant universe. 
is always available. So that's why we practice together. <laughs> <laughs>